Welcome to the Impact Hour on Money 105.5, where you live with passion, make a difference, and come alive. This show is about you, your life, your impact, and your legacy. Now your hosts, John and Rena. Hey, welcome to the Impact Hour. I'm John. So a few days ago, maybe a few weeks ago, we got some new candy from the store. Some of that nice candy where they got little squares and you can break off a few squares and have it and then save the candy for later so you don't have to eat it all at once. You can stretch this out for several days. And so I was having my candy and I decided to put the rest of it in the refrigerator. I like my candy hard. I don't want it all squishy and soft and melty. I like it crunchy. That's the way I like it. So I put it in the fridge. And the next day, my wife comes in and says, hey, I see this candy in there. Whose candy is that? I go, it's, it's my candy. She all, does it have to be in there? And where my mind went was that this was a setup. This, that's where my mind went. That it was, does the candy have to be in there? And the answer, of course, is no, it doesn't have to be anywhere in particular. And then she would say, well, then get it out of there. That's where my mind went. That's how I thought it was going. And the weird thing is, is I couldn't see it any other way. I thought, darn sure, that's what was going on. And, of course, I was triggered and I was mad. Why, why should this be such a big deal? And it turned out, of course, that's not what my wife really meant. She really meant was, you know, how important is it for it to be in there? And it was a problem for her because she was trying to not eat the candy and, uh, you know, for health reasons and other dietary weight reasons and all of that. And the candy was sitting in there tempting her. So she was trying to find a solution to her problem. But what I want to talk today is how we can get caught up in our own way of seeing the world and not see it any other way. And that's today's title for today's show is Caught Up. How can we get caught up? What causes us to get caught up in our way of seeing the world where it creates blind spots in our life? When we're caught up in our way of viewing the world, in a way of perceiving what's going on around us, that can affect all kinds of things in our life. It can affect our relationships. It can affect success, whatever success is for you. So it's important to learn that we have these blind spots and we have these ways of seeing the world and we can get stuck and we can get caught up in a certain way of being and a certain way of seeing things and it can hinder us from all kinds of things in the world. Especially if you want to create a legacy you want to create a legacy in the hearts of your family members, your kids, people in your community. That's the kind of legacy you want to create. These blind spots can definitely get in the way of making that as big and as effective as possible and as meaningful. So today we're going to talk about all the different ways, maybe, maybe not all, probably can't cover all of them today. We're going to talk about a bunch of different ways that we can get caught up. There's ways that we can have blind spots in our life. And the first step, of course, is to become aware of the blind spots. Once we're aware, then we can start doing something about it. And then doing something about it, sometimes it's really easy. You just go, oh, that was my blind spot, and now I know, and 
and now it's no longer a blind spot, but sometimes we have these habitual patterns in our lives and we first notice that there's a blind spot and it still takes a lot of effort to change the way that we're interacting, the way we're habitually responding to things going on in the world and other people. But the first step is to become aware. And so today's show, we're going to talk a whole lot about these different blind spots. And the first part about this, these blind spots, has to do with how we explain what's going on in the world. We call it story. We create story around what's going on. So we have traffic. Traffic's heavy on the road. So we create a story about why there's traffic. Why is traffic backed up? And it depends on the person. We all have our own indi individual stories about what's going on. And of course, the traffic's an easy one because we can all relate to that. But uh, maybe a story is, oh, somebody really messed up. So it's backed up because there's some idiot out there on the road and that's and they've caused traffic. And that's the story that we go with. Or we can create other kinds of stories. We can say, oh, you know, they, they really haven't widened the lanes. They haven't added new lanes to the road. They haven't widened the, the highway. There's too many cars at once. And so that's why it's backed up. And of course, a lot of times we don't really know why it's backed up. We're just making up stories. And we make up stories all the time. That's because our mind really can't stand things going on without an explanation behind it. We can't have it where, you know, somebody is kind of leaning into the car, the door is wide open, taking up the space next to them, and we can't park there. We can't just leave it at that. There's got to be some explanation. Why is this? And so we fill in the blank. We create the story. And our stories come a lot of times from our growing up experiences, from the, the events, the things that we've experienced in there. We've created stories back then. And a lot of times those are the same stories that we're creating right now. And this happens throughout the day, every day. We're making up stories about why things are happening. And those stories are indicative of our blind spots. We get caught up in our stories and we can't see things other ways. Just like my story I just shared with the candy. For the longest time, I couldn't see it any other way. Like there was no other possible explanation for why my wife might be saying, does the candy have to be in there? And it took quite a while for me to learn that there's actually probably at least one other way to see it, probably more, but it did not come naturally to me at all. And that story was holding me hostage to seeing things a certain way. And I was caught up in that. And so that's an example of how we can get caught up in our way of seeing the world. And then we're going to dive into more details today. We're going to dive into some of the things that we can get caught up in and some of the thinking that we get involved in that can create what I call blind spots and get us all caught up in our way of looking at the world. So we're going to get into a number of things. We're going to get into the people around us. We're going to get into... Uh, kind of some mindsets. We're going to talk about justification and how that distorts a few of the world. We'll talk a little bit about childhood experiences and a few more things. And we'll be right back right after this break.
Men, do you want to be more influential? When you share advice with people, do you experience crossed arms, sideways glances, glazed eyes, and furrowed brows? Or do you got it going on but are now wondering about your life legacy? Do you find it difficult to talk about things of deeper meaning? Is your life as impactful as you'd like? Learn to run the race, fight the good fight, and finish well. You're invited to a special event for men. October 6th, sign up at unchainmen.com slash events. Meaning, significance, satisfaction, connection. You can have it all. Learn how on the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Host John and Rena will help you be a change agent, a leader, a hero. Move through your world, touching lives, and experiencing a deep sense of connection and meaning. Listen to the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Your impact matters. You matter. Did you miss a show? Check out past shows at theimpacthour.com. Hey, welcome back to the Impact Hour. Today's show is titled Caught Up. And we're talking all about how we can get caught up in our way of seeing things and seeing the world and explaining how people are behaving. What are they saying? Why are they saying that? We get all caught up in our worldview and what are the ways that we get caught up. And along the way, I'll talk a little bit about how we can kind of get uncaught up, how we can get out from, from seeing things only a certain way and how we can see things from a, a different perspective. And certainly, it's way beneficial to be able to see things from a different perspective, to see more possibilities. It certainly helps relationships. If we can see that a person is doing something, maybe not just for that one really negative reason we first thought of, but maybe there's some other reasons why they might be doing that. And that might be more beneficial in the relationship, create less angst and more peace in the relationship. And that's also certainly true as you try to live and leave a legacy in the world. If we're not caught up in our one way of seeing things, we can certainly see more options and more opportunities that are out there. We're not stuck in just one way of looking at things. So this really is about stretching your edges, kind of seeing where where is your edge and how can you stretch that a bit, see things a little bit different. One of the things that uh, that I found kind of surprising as I was looking this this information up looking up all the ways we get caught up, had to do with the people around us. And there's a quote that's often cited. Uh, It's attributed to Jim Rohn, which is, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And what was really interesting is I saw an article that said, it's not true, but then they said, it's actually worse. (laughs) So they said, it's not just the five people you hang out with, probably more than just the five, but they actually found in a recent study that it's far more reaching, that your friends' friends can influence you as well. And they talked about if your friend's friend you don't even know was overweight, you had a higher percentage chance of being overweight yourself. And so the people we're hanging around with, the people you're hanging around with, have has a huge influence, and it has to do with not just our health and our weight, but has to do with our income levels, and it has to do with our ways of looking at the world. We get caught up in seeing things a certain way, and a lot of times that way reflects the way that the people around us are seeing the world as well. And so we can all get around and sit together and see the world all the same way. 
We can sit down and commiserate and complain about how things are and, you know, I don't know, have a good old time. <laughs> so it's uh, a lot of things when we hang out with people, it affects a lot of things. And so it affects uh, how much money we make, which is tied a lot to our self-worth. I'd like to point out that how much money we make is actually not the same as our self-worth. Those two things are actually really different, but it feels the same. A lot of times how much money we make feels like it is a, a statement of our self-worth. <clears throat> so we can feel like, oh, you know, maybe we, don't, we feel like we're not worth very much. We have self-worth issues perhaps. And so maybe we are offered opportunities to make more money and we go, oh, that's, that's not me. I'm, I'm not worth that. Or maybe, maybe there's some kind of self-talk and stories that we've made up around money where we say, if I make that much money, then I'm a no good materialistic snob. Or if I make that much money, then I'm selfish. Or it could just be, like I said before, where we just go, oh, I'm, I'm not worth that. So we don't even look for opportunities where we could make more money. Money, of course, is a tool. It is not evil or good. It just is. It's a tool. And what we do with money is more a reflection of our character than anything being intrinsic in money itself. So we can... We can make a lot of money and we could use that to help build a hospital or we can use that to donate to help a cause or we could use that to fund some nonprofit, maybe maybe our own nonprofit or maybe someone else's or we could use money and buy all kinds of toys and buy all kinds of fun or we could use that money for some nefarious purposes. Who knows? It's, it's a reflection of our character and it gives us more opportunity to express what's in our hearts and what we value and what we really are all about. And so money itself is not evil, but a lot of times it can seem that way. So if you're hanging around with people and all those people, we probably will end up being about the average of the people around us in terms of how much money we're making. We can get so caught up in our view of our own self-worth that we can miss opportunities right in front of us. We could do some amazing things if we were open to seeing ourselves as being more worthy. These worthiness issues happen for just about everybody, no matter what level we're at in our social economic status, so I've bumped into homeless people and had a chance to chat with those folks. I've bumped into people who make little money. I've bumped into people who make a fair amount of money. And at every level, people have self-worth issues and worthiness issues, and they bump up against that. And in a sense, uh, it's like we get what we settle for. So if we're willing to settle for minimum wage, We'll settle for minimum wage, and that's what we'll have. And so even the homeless folks were like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not worth that much money, and uh, I'll just sleep over here. I'll sleep in a cardboard box or, you know, whatever. Or even 
upper middle class. Oh, you know, I'm not worth this much. I'll settle for, for jobs and opportunities at this level. Another thing that, that affects us and influences uh, from the people that we hang out with has to do with our relationship with fear and risk. What is our relationship with fear and risk? For a lot of years, fear and risk were labeled as bad. Those were terrible, horrible, no good, very bad things. And we sh at least for me, I should uh, do uh, take on endeavors where there was very little risk, where I didn't have to experience any sort of fear, where there was a lot of certainty in my success. But I've learned since then that being willing to take on more risk and be willing to experience some fear actually can be really good. It can really help us get out and try new things, experience new things. Um, we can be closed off if, if we can't stand the feeling of fear, anxiety. Maybe there'd be opportunities maybe to share our story and we won't. And so we can get very caught up in our response to risk and fear and miss out on an amazing journey. More importantly, we can set ourselves up for regret and disappointment. And this is something that I experienced in 2005 when I had my heart attack, when I thought that might be the end of my life. And I was looking back at all the ways that I had spent my days and found that there were a lot of things I wish I had done but hadn't because I was afraid, because I didn't want to face the uncertainty that maybe it wouldn't work out. And so a lot of things I never even tried. I didn't even try doing it because I was afraid it might not work, might not succeed. And I was sitting in that moment when I had my heart attack, regretting a lot of the choices that I had made. <clears throat> Luckily for me, that wasn't really the end of my life and I get a do-over and I get to share that experience with you folks that at the end of your life, you will not regret what you did. Instead, you will regret what you wanted to do before, but were afraid to do. Those are the things that you'll regret. And one of the things that I've noticed in my experience is that it actually doesn't matter if you're guaranteed success or not. It doesn't matter. What matters is whether you tried or not. If you tried something and it didn't work, you won't regret that. But if you don't try, that is something that you'll regret. So our relationship to fear and uncertainty and risk can certainly create a lot of blind spots in our life. We can get caught up playing it safe and just taking the path of least resistance. And we can miss out on a whole bunch and we can set ourselves up for regret and realize that we didn't pursue the things that we really cared about. So my, my advice, I highly encourage you to take the time and the effort to pursue the things that matter most to you. Do the things that are important. Don't let those things slide. Even if it's scary, even if you're afraid, pursue it anyways. 
And maybe you're thinking, well, that sounds kind of shallow. You know, I don't want to go bungee jumping or whatever it comes up. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not just running talking about running around the world and doing all this crazy stuff, you know, just running in and charging into fear necessarily. I'm talking about finding the things that are meaningful to you. Are you spending the time with your kids or your grandkids that you want? Are those the things that you value highly? Are you spending the time that's congruent with that? Are you spending time pursuing the things in your life that you really want to pursue? And do those things and don't let time slip by on those things. Another thing that comes from hanging out with people who have a certain mindset that we can catch is this idea of I have to or I can't. We can get caught up thinking we have to do, fill in the blank, or I can't do, fill in that blank. We feel like we don't have a choice. And it's actually not really true, but we can get caught up thinking this way. And I find it crazy the number of times on TV where I've heard the phrase, I didn't have a choice. I don't know, maybe TV is one of those five people you're hanging around with. <laughs> the truth is that we have all kinds of choices. And our life isn't really dictated by circumstances and other people. We're not really victims of life. We might feel like life is happening to us, but it's really not true. The truth is we are in control of our lives and we are responsible for the choices that we make. And we have lots of choices. Even if perhaps it doesn't feel like we have very many, there are lots of choices out there. So you get to choose all kinds of things. And there, to get past this, you have to figure out you know, what, what it is that you want in life. So first you choose what you want, and then you figure out how to make it happen. You don't look at your circumstances and decide what to do based on that. First you decide what it is you want to pursue in your life, and then you figure out how to make that happen outside of looking at your circumstances. And what's your circumstances, what's going on in your life are obstacles, certainly, but they are not barriers. And maybe there'll be some choices that are closed off, but oftentimes there are ways to make things happen in a way that will work. And so that's the idea of saying, I have to, or I can't. Whenever you use the phrase, I have to, or use the phrase, I can't, you might stop and pause. Maybe that's not really the case. We'll be right back after this break. With over 40 years of service and quality in the Sacramento and surrounding areas, American Windows can do your job. Whether it's for your remodel or a new build, American Windows offers several brands with a lifetime warranty. Financing's available. Energy efficiency is important to our customer. That's why American Windows stays up to date on SMUD PG&E programs and rebates saving you money. American Windows, our work shines through. Go to AmericanWindowManufacturing.com to schedule your free consultation. 
If you're looking for work or an opportunity to get a better job, there are many great jobs available here in the Sacramento area. Attend the Tri-County Job Fair August 23rd at 9 a.m. This annual event attracts the region's top employers, and they need your skills. They have immediate openings for jobs with livable wages and fringe benefits. See for yourself. Online registration is easy. Visit tricountyjobfair.org to get your free ticket. That's tricountyjobfair.org. Have you secured your family's financial future? Are you approaching your own retirement and seeking relief from those unexpected financial burdens like long-term care? Why not leave your legacy to the next generation instead? You can count on Family Heritage Group to help you prepare for your future your way. Remember, knowledge is power. So call Ed Outland's Family Heritage Group today at 967-3500. 967-3500 for a free life-changing consultation. Family Heritage Group, your solution to bridging the generations. A night of laughter, life, and love at Revive with Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, VP of the Marriage and Family Formation at Focus on the Family. It's not about me getting my way. It's not about Aaron getting her way. That can lead to one of us feeling like we've lost. And remember, the only exception solution is something that we both feel great about and it has absolutely changed our marriage don't just look towards your interests but also to the interests of others revive as you laugh with dennis gaxiola i remember i thought i was old enough to talk back to my mom she whooped me and grounded me for two weeks had to call my wife let her know i couldn't come home (laughs) baby mom is tripping A night of laughter while learning to revive your marriage or future marriage, September 28th at River City Christian. All are welcome. Special thanks to sponsor Epic Bible College. For tickets and info, text REVIVE to 916-349-1039. At Safe Credit Union, saving for your little one's future is easier than ever. Because when you open a high-rate certificate with us, you're not only locking in a 2.43% annual percentage yield, you're also selecting a term that meets your needs from 36 to 60 months. Safe Select Term Certificate. Spend less time focusing on finances and more time enjoying those precious moments while she still thinks you're cool. Safe Credit Union. Banking on what matters. Visit safecu.org. Meaning. Significance. Satisfaction. Connection. You can have it all. Learn how on the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Host John and Rena will help you be a change agent, a leader, a hero. Move through your world, touching lives, and experiencing a deep sense of connection and meaning. Listen to the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Your impact matters. You matter. Did you miss a show? Check out past shows at theimpacthour.com. Men, do you want to be more influential? When you share advice with people, do you experience crossed arms, sideways glances, glazed eyes, and furrowed brows? Or do you got it going on but are now wondering about your life legacy? Do you find it difficult to talk about things of deeper meaning? Is your life as impactful as you'd like? Learn to run the race, fight the good fight, and finish well. You're invited to a special event for men. October 6th, sign up at unchainmen.com events. Hey, welcome back to the Impact Hour. Today we're talking about caught up. We get caught up in our worldview. If you feel like you've been caught up in a way of seeing the world a certain way, seeing the economy, seeing your business a certain way, and you feel like you've hit a plateau and you'd like some help getting unstuck or uncaught up, 
you can give me a call at 916-783-2622 and leave a message. And I'll get back and we'll see how I can support you in that. So we're talking about being caught up. And before the break, we're talking about kind of seeing how we will use the phrase, I have to or I can't. And one that's related to that is kind of a, a this or that type of thinking. In our book, Splash, Increase Your Life's Impact, it's called A-B thinking. There's a mindset in there called A-B thinking. It's this or that. I can do this or I can do that. It's option one or option two, and that's it. And that's very similar to have to and can't. It's a little better. We're not feeling like we're forced into an option, but it's still not the best. We're, we feel like we're locked into just two options rather than having lots and lots of choices and options. And that's very similar to the have to and the can't. And uh, I don't know if you had some folks maybe at work or you had a friend come up and say, hey, help me, I'm trying to decide. I'm not sure if I should do this or I should do that. And, and usually both options are not super great. They both have pros and cons. And they're looking at it going, I don't know. I don't know which one I want to do. Help me figure out, should I do this or should I do that? And that should be a kind of a flag. If someone or maybe yourself, you're thinking, oh, you know, help me decide if I should do this or that. That should be a flag saying, whoa, wait a minute. Where did all the other options go? <clears throat> there are lots of options. A lot of times we just need to change our way of seeing the world to get uncaught up, so to speak, to see how many other options there really are. So related to the have to, can't, or the this or that style of thinking, here's some ways to open up to see the other options. And the first one is to avoid a narrow frame of reference. Instead of looking at your current circumstance and go, well, I can go this path or that path, take a step back. What other options are there? What if you decided to do something totally, completely different altogether? It wasn't just the choice sitting in front of you. What if you didn't have a choice to make in front of you, but you were deciding, hey, what kind of choices would I like to make in my life? Which direction should I like to go? And start looking at that. You can test your assumptions. What are you assuming is true? What if they aren't true? Maybe you can test them out. Are these actually true assumptions? So maybe we think, oh, if I move over here, I'll have a shorter commute. So I could move to this house or this neighborhood I don't like and have a shorter commute, or I can stay where I'm at and have a long commute. That might be a this or that type of option we're looking at. We're assuming that if we move to this other house, we'll have a shorter commute but maybe it's not true. Or maybe we're assuming the neighborhood's not great, but maybe that's not true. Go out and check out what are you assuming, what, you know, maybe the assumptions are not actually accurate, and that'll change the whole landscape of what you're deciding. Another way is to just shake, shake up your way of thinking, and you wouldn't necessarily have to, to just go with this necessarily, but consider the opposite. You think, oh, I need to shorten my commute. That's my problem. I need to figure out, should I move here? Or should I stay there? I need to shorten my commute. What if you decided you weren't going to shorten the commute at all? What if you did the opposite? You decided, heck with the commute, I'm going to ignore that. And now I'm going to see what options I have about where I can live if I didn't even 
be concerned about the commute. That might open up some options you'd never thought of. And the commute might still be important, so you just kind of have to suspend your, your belief there that the commute is important. Just set that aside for a while and just let something come out. Consider the opposite. Maybe some options will, will emerge that you never even thought of. Now the ones to zoom out and look at the bigger picture. Instead of thinking about, oh, I need to work at this place and I want to shorten my commute, zooming out, looking at it from a bigger picture might be, well, what if I didn't work there? Or taking a longer range view and thinking about, you know, if what, what do I want in the next five or 10 years? Maybe I don't even want to work at this place. Maybe the commute is just a, an artifact of working there now and it's temporary. It's not really that important because maybe that's not where you're going to be in five years. And related to that is taking a longer term view. So zooming out, looking at the bigger picture, making a longer term view, those are related. And then finally, you can look again at your core values. What do you really want out of life? Maybe you're trying to shorten your commute to work, but maybe what you really value is family. And maybe you shouldn't be trying to be closer to work. Maybe you should be trying to be closer to family. And that would be some ways. These are some tips. There's other ways too. This is just a small, small handful of things to look at to help open up a whole bunch of other options to get out from being unstuck, from getting out from being caught up in this or that type of thinking or have to or can't. Another one related to that is we can get caught up thinking it has to look a certain way. We have a goal, and in order to achieve the goal, it must be a specific way or we didn't achieve our goal. It has to have, you know, a blue house with white trim and a white picket fence and a two-car two -car garage, and you have to have 2.5 kids or it's not what you wanted. And we get stuck with it having to look this specific way when in fact there's lots of options. So I just got back from a trip camping and backpacking and we'd set it up to go to a very specific lake and there was a lots of talk and conversation about well maybe maybe dad can't go back to that lake anymore and maybe he can't go backpacking anymore because it was too strenuous and it was pretty hard and he thought oh this is probably the last backpacking trip. And that was with the idea that it had to look a certain way. It had to be back at that exact same lake. It had to be the same trail. It had to be all these, these conditions. It has to look this certain way. And the truth is there's lots of places to go. There's lots of places we could backpack into that are not quite so strenuous. And those would work just as fine as well. If we open it up and it doesn't have to look a certain way and we can still achieve the essence of what we actually want, a lot of options can open up as well. Here we're going to shift gears just a little bit. There is a way of looking at the world that comes from the way we relate to people. And this one is uh, even everyone gets caught up in this. So this is not, uh, you know, shame on you if you get caught up in it. This is something that happens to all of us all the time. So it's not a question of whether it happens or not. It's a question of can we recognize it and can we get back out? So what happens is we'll interact with somebody and we see that person as a person and we have a sense of something we should do for that person. 
And it, maybe it's a sense of we should, we're walking down the street and we see somebody of a different race, perhaps, and we have a sense that we should say hello. And we walk by the person and we have a choice. And that choice, right then, we can choose to honor our sense of what we felt we should do, or we can choose to not honor that. And when we do that, as soon as we choose to not honor what we felt we should do for that person, immediately we need something really badly. And we need it more than just about anything else. And we need to be justified. We need to be made right for not honoring our sense of what we should do for the person. So we choose to not say hello to the person. And now we need to be justified. We have to come up with reasons why we did the right thing by not saying hello. We need to justify our actions. And in that moment, we will vilify the other person to justify ourselves. We'll make ourselves look better and more right. We will do all kinds of things in our own mind in order to say what we did was the okay, right thing. They didn't deserve to be told hello. There's a problem with them. People of that race are always whatever it is, fill in the blank. And now we don't see that person as a person anymore. They become an object or a caricature of a group or a type. And now we are not seeing the world in the, in the way it really is. Our view of the world becomes distorted because we're viewing it from a self-justified perception, a self-justified way of looking at the world. We get caught up in these ways of seeing people and seeing the world that we really can't see it very accurately. And we see this all the time, especially on social media, online. People will talk about groups of people being all a certain way, or they'll talk about, you know, those might say those liberals are all fill-in-the-blank, or those conservatives only want fill-in-the-blank, or those people of a certain race are always, and at this point, we're not seeing them accurately. We're not seeing them as people anymore. And we'll talk more about this right after this break. Men, do you want to be more influential? When you share advice with people, do you experience crossed arms, sideways glances, glazed eyes, and furrowed brows? Or do you got it going on but are now wondering about your life legacy? Do you find it difficult to talk about things of deeper meaning? Is your life as impactful as you'd like? Learn to run the race, fight the good fight, and finish well. You're invited to a special event for men. October 6th, sign up at unchainmen.com slash events. Meaning significance, satisfaction, connection. You can have it all. Learn how on the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Host John and Rena will help you be a change agent, a leader, a hero. Move through your world, touching lives and experiencing a deep sense of connection and meaning. Listen to the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Your impact matters. You matter. Did you miss a show? Check out past shows at theimpacthour.com. Hey, welcome back to the Impact Hour. Just before the break, we were talking about how we can kind of look at the world from a self-justifying way of looking at it, and our whole view of the world becomes distorted and not very accurate. Today's episode is about being caught up 
in our way of seeing the world, and this certainly is a biggie. This is certainly a huge way we can get caught up in seeing other people as a certain way and not seeing them as real human beings with hopes and dreams just like anybody and everybody else, but we're seeing them in a distorted way, in a distorted light that justifies ourselves. And it can be really tricky because we see these people and we think we're viewing the world accurately. It looks like it's true. But in fact, a lot of times when we get into this, this state, we actually are not seeing it correctly. We're not seeing what's really going on. And our need to be justified dominates just about every other need in a relationship that we have where we're looking at them this way. Our need for justification becomes more important than having a meaningful connection with the person. It's more important than solving problems and moving forward and having success. And, you know, in businesses, in the workplace, we can see them as the enemy and we need to be justified more than we need to solve the problems and move, move progress forward in the company the way we should. And it's tricky because it's inside of us and it looks like we're seeing it correctly. The key question to ask is, am I seeing this as a real person with hopes and dreams and fears like anybody, or am I attributing a lot of things to them? Are they, am I looking at them now as an object or perhaps as a caricature? If I'm seeing them as a caricature of always being a certain way, of always having certain qualities, you know, and if I'm attributing it to their character and not just, oh, this is a one-time choice that they made, I probably am seeing them from a self-justifying uh, place rather than seeing them reality in just the way that they really are. So this is a really important one. And if you want to read more about this, uh, there's a couple of books that get into this in a lot of detail, which I highly recommend. Uh, the first one is called The Anatomy of Peace by the ABBA Group. And uh, by the same group, there's one called Leadership and Self-Deception, and they talk about how we can be, they call it being in the box. When you're in the box, you're seeing people as objects. And what's even trickier is we need to be justified for the way that we're treating the person. And so we might even be unconsciously provoking them to be engaging in the very behavior we say we don't like so we can be justified in the way that we're treating them. And we're actually creating the very problems we're complaining about. <clears throat> So when we're in the box, we're not seeing the world accurately, and we're not seeing people as people, we're seeing them as objects. Another way that we can be caught up seeing the world a certain way, uh, I'll probably, I'll just start here with a, with a story that I have. I shared a couple of weeks ago that when I was in first grade, there was a kid in the grade above me, and he was the son of a physician. And he was going through school, he would bring a hypodermic needle to school, and he was injecting other kids with the hypodermic needle, playing doctor. And of course, as a kid, as a first grader, that's pretty terrifying, and uh, I didn't like that at all. And uh, I would run from the kid, the kid had an accomplice who worked with him, and, uh, and one day they caught me and, and I punched him pretty hard, and they, they stopped chasing me around which was a good thing, but as I was telling my parents, they had a hard time believing because it's such an outrageous story. 
And eventually they did believe me and they took me out of the school and put me in a different school because apparently there wasn't an easy way to, to get the school administration to step in for whatever reason. Sounds kind of ugly. Whatever was going on, I was in first grade. So what I learned from that experience is that if I stand up for myself, then I will lose all of my friends. That wasn't necessarily what the message was intended for me to take in, but that was the message that I took, and it's hard for me to stand up for myself. Even today, I have to fight this fear that if I stand up for myself, then people won't like me, I'll lose my friends, and they'll go away, and, and that'll be the end of that. And that is a childhood experience, and that is a way that I've been conditioned to fear standing up for myself. We all have stuff like this in our lives. So maybe for you, you don't have hypodermic needles and second graders running around. Maybe for you, it's something else. But we all have experiences like this where we took in some sort of meaning and we're carrying these beliefs with us through the world as we navigate the world. And these beliefs are shaping the way we see the world. We get caught up in these certain ways of seeing things that we don't notice that there's possibly other ways of looking at the world. And that comes from our childhood experiences and the things that we made it mean can be different things for each of us. There could be a lot of different things in there going on, but those are certainly areas where we can get caught in a worldview that is not so helpful. So the part of that is we learn that we need to appear a certain way in order to be loved, liked, and accepted by people. We need to be a certain way. And that also comes from childhood experiences, but this is kind of comes at a more, more of a core part of ourselves. It's kind of a more deeper core belief that we have that we need to appear a certain way. We need to navigate the world a certain way in order to survive. It sounds weird. We think, no, you know, it's, I don't need to do these things to survive. That sounds extreme. But in reality, in our subconscious, we link things together that we might not in our, in our conscious minds. And so we think if we have to do a certain thing or be a certain way for people to like us, our conscious subconscious mind is going, if people don't like us, then they will leave us. And if people leave us, then we'll be all alone. And if we're all alone, then we'll die. That's how deep it goes. And of course, we're not thinking about this. You know, it's not like we're sitting down, you know, like the, the thinker statue going, hmm, I think I'm afraid of dying. We don't think about it that way. It's just sort of automatic. And we just navigate the world and we appear a certain way. And if, if we don't appear a certain way, we can become deathly afraid that something bad will happen. We don't know what, but deep down, most of the time, we're afraid our very survival depends on us appearing a certain way. That's how deep these core beliefs can be for us. So we might believe we need to appear as perfect as possible to be loved and accepted. And if we make a mistake, well, that's it. Then we're, we're not worthy anymore that we'll be rejected. We need to be perfect or we'll die. Or we might need to feel like we need to, other people to need us in order to be loved and accepted. And so we do things for other people all the time, always doing things. We're, we're you know, serving coffee and we're giving gifts and we're doing all these things. 
and we're giving to get in order to feel loved and accepted. Or maybe we're going through the world and we feel like we have to look good. We got to be looking good and we got to do well to be loved and accepted and to survive. And if we're not looking good, if we're not doing well, well, then people won't like us anymore. They won't hang around. Or we might need to appear smart, need to appear like we've got it all together, to be strong, to be competent. Or it could be the opposite, where we need to not appear at all to be safe. And so we need to be present. We need to go through the world, but we don't want to do anything to draw any attention. Because if we draw attention to ourselves, then something bad might happen and we might not be safe. We might need to appear competent or we might need to appear fun and funny so people will like us. Or we need to appear kind and considerate. And if we're not kind and considerate, then maybe people won't like us. Or we need to appear like we're better, like we're holy, we've got it together, that uh, you know we, we have integrity. And of course, those things are important. All these things are important, but when we're trying to appear a certain way and not just be that certain way, it comes out very different. <clears throat> and all of these can shift our attention in the world. So we're not seeing the world as accurately because our attention is drawn to certain things. And so maybe our attention is drawn to what's wrong so that we can make it right, so we can be perfect. Or our attention is drawn to what others need so we can fill those needs, so they can need us. Or we're drawn to what is successful so that we can be a part of what's successful. Or we're drawn to what's wrong, and so we need to correct what's wrong. Or we're drawn to whatever is dangerous out there so that we can protect ourselves from whatever might happen out there. Or we're drawn to what's always fun so we can be a part of the fun and people will like us. Or we're drawn to who's holding the power so we can take in and be a part of the power so we're not weak and so we can be safe. Or we're drawn to what causes conflict so we can avoid it. Or maybe we're always drawn to what's missing, what's not here, so we can fill that in. And these are ways that it shifts and distorts our view of the world because we only see certain things and a whole lot of things are slipping by. So these are some ways that we can get caught up in our way of seeing the world. And the first step is to become aware. And hopefully that will help you move forward in your life. Thanks for listening.